0: Alright, so our Torah portion this week is Vat Chana, which means I pleaded, or uh, like it says in my Bible, I besought, and it is, uh, uh, basically starts out with Moses pleading to God one last time that he would allow him to go into the land, um... But that was not for Moses to do, and uh, and so God said, "No, you know, don't. I don't want to hear any more about this. Um, you're not going in the land. So don't bring it up again. <laughs> I <don't> like kids. <laughs> you say this again? You're going to your room. <laughs> so we're in three uh, twenty-three. Before we start, we'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll we'll go through our Torah portion, which is. Deuteronomy's great. It preaches real well, you know, but that's not why I want to, you know, it's fun to go through it all as part of it, but there's some really good pertinent things in here for our lives that I think we can take, are so pertinent and so uh, important that we remember as believers because what we're going to see here all the way back with Moses in the wilderness right before they go into the land is the continuity of God's promises to his people for all time. And and that's something a lot of us here have grabbed hold of and we all should grab hold of and remember uh, because it's a daily thing that we have to implement in our lives. Um, and so that's what we're going to read about and we're going to go through the uh, prophets and we're going to read in Isaiah and we're going to read in um, Acts a little bit. So let's pray real quick and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father God, I just thank you for Uh, This Shabbat, this day to be here um, The time that you give us The place that you give us Your word uh, How your promises are never failing Because you don't change God And I thank you for that So just teach us your word uh, today That we would walk in it And live it out And be obedient unto you And um, that we may be more conformed To the image of Yeshua In our daily lives In Yeshua's name we pray Amen all right, so Deuteronomy 3.23 is where we'll start, and um, I'm, I, it's a kind of a long portion, so we're not going to read the entire thing, but I am going to uh, hopefully hit on um, some of the major points that I want to bring out, and we'll, we'll go through. So Deuteronomy 3, uh, verse 23, so we'll start there. Uh, and I besought Yehovah at that time, saying, "Oh, Lord God. Thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven and earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the goodly land that's beyond the Jordan, that goodly mountain, and Lebanon. But Jehovah was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. And Jehovah said unto me, Let it suffice thee speak no more unto me of this matter. Get thee up to the top of Pisgah. And lift up thy eyes westward, northward, southward, eastward, and behold it with thine eyes. For thou shalt not go over this Jordan, but charge Joshua and encourage him. Strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. So we abode in the valley over against Beth, uh, Bethlehem. So Moses basically gets told, no, you're not going in. Go to the top of Mount Pisgah. You know, basically, they're on the verge, ready to go into land. They, they went through all the wilderness, all those who rebelled and wouldn't go in, the first time are now dead, including all their leaders, and the only three guys that are left still alive are Moses, Caleb, and Joshua, and Joshua is going to take over, charge of leading them and and lead them in. Joshua is the head of the tribe of Ephraim, and Caleb is the head of Judah. And Caleb, interestingly, is a Kenizzite, and Kenizzites are from Edom. So, Caleb actually isn't a blood-born Israelite. He uh, is grafted into the people of Israel and is one of their leaders, oddly of the tribe of Judah, which flags in the face of everything that you see now in Judaism. So, but that's besides the point. That's not what I wanted. That was extra. All right, so uh, now, so Moses is going to basically have, uh, give this discourse to the people that God's going to tell him to say that essentially recount, we, he recounted already in the last portion where they went and now he's saying, he's going to basically tell them, remember the covenant that God made with you, that you're going into this land, and when you go in there, you're to wipe out the, the wicked nations that are in there, and you're not to be um, influenced by their gods, their customs, their ways, uh, their idols, any of that, you're, you are to be a holy people when you go in. And you're not to adopt any of their ways, and you're not to intermarry with any of them. Um, so let's let's read through in uh, here a little bit, and um, and we'll talk about it as we kind of go. So we'll start out in chapter four, verse one. Now, therefore, O Israel, uh, now therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live. And go in and possess the land which Jehovah, God of your fathers, giveth you. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of Jehovah your God which I command thee. So the first thing they're supposed to do is they're go, supposed to go in and possess the land. and But they're supposed to keep and obey the Torah, the instructions, the commandments that God's given them so that they will live. And they're supposed to go in, and, and they're uh, they're not supposed to add to the word. This is the first place, I think, if I remember correctly, that they're, to, they're told, do not add to the word and do not take away from the word which he's given them. Why? That ye may keep the commandments of Yehovah your God, which I command you. Because any time, see what happens is, you have, and we see this really... Born out very clearly and plainly in the world we live in today, you have your two prominent denominations in those who, who uh, follow the Bible. You've got Judaism on one side. Predominantly, I'll say, that they add to the commandments, although there are certain sects that don't even know if Moses was real. And then you have Christianity that keeps most of the Torah, but acts as, you know, your big one, Sabbath, uh, festivals, dietary laws. And so you have uh, diminishing and adding on both sides. But And so what does that result in? It results in either case not obeying God and not following God. Because if you're given an instruction manual to something and you... <laughs> You know, uh, if you've ever put anything together, like one that, yeah, I, from Ikea, for instance, and you forget that one little bolt or something, it doesn't work the way it's supposed to. It doesn't resemble what the picture said it was supposed to. It resembles whatever you created it to be, whether you add a few other things to it or you take a few things off of it. And so that's what we see borne out in, in, in uh, today. And that's what the people do when they go into the land. They, they disregard some of the commandments of God. And then they add in different things, and it's the picture from the beginning. the The golden calf was a perfect illustration of this. They come out and they say, "Well, we don't know what happened to this guy Moses. He disappeared on us, and so we need a new uh, we need a new leader." And and so Aaron seems like he's pretty good. And so then they're like, "Well, here's our God that brought us out of Egypt," and they build the golden calf to do whatever they want. But they but what's interesting in that passage is they. Uh, they proclaim a festival unto God. So they're still for serving God, but they're doing it their own way. They've added to and they've taken away from what God told them to do. And that does not produce life because only God's word and only God's ways produces life in our in our lives. Everything else leads to leads to death. Now, what's important to keep in mind about that is death in Hebrew Terminology and mentality is not uh, poof, ceases to be, you know, he got zapped and he's gone forever. Death is separation. Because so, what happened when Adam and Eve sinned? He said, you know, eat from the fruit of the tree of knowledge, of good and evil, and you will surely die. Well, they didn't, I always thought, thought, it was, you know, in my mind, I was like, well, they didn't die. You know, it wasn't immediate. But it was actually, because what happened? They were separated from God, because death. Is is in Hebraic terms separation, you know, separated from death, or separated from family, or separated from God. So, death isn't necessarily instantaneous. But when we sin and we disobey, if we are not covered with Yeshua's blood, you are you're born sinful. You are separated from God, and so you are living. In, in death and in, in not in life, and God wants life for His people and life for all the world, and that's why He wants no man to perish. Alright, so let's go down to. Uh... Oh, well, He gives them a little reminder in verse 3 Your eyes have seen what Yehovah did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that follow Baal Peor. Yahweh, that God had destroyed them from among Ebalpore was when they intermarried with the Midianites after uh, you know Balaam the block with Balaam's ass yeah Balaam's ass and uh, the, he couldn't get them to curse them so he got them to intermarry them and so God ha- tells them to hang up all the leaders of Israel and there's a plague that wipes out basically the rest of the people that are alive that rebelled and wouldn't go into the land and that's the same time that you have Phinehas so he says You're going into land, don't take away from my word, don't add to it either. Remember it so that you'll stay alive. Remember what I did to you guys at Bielpoor when you intermingled with people. You know, he's just not messing around. He's serious. So, verse 6, then he kind of goes into a positive. He says, keep therefore and do them, talking about the commandments. And he says, for this is your wisdom and your understanding. "...in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes, and say, Surely this great nation is wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great, who hath God so nigh unto them, as Yahweh our God is in all things that we call upon him for?" So, he's saying, these commandments are your understanding and your wisdom in the sight of the nations. And what's happened today is that... Uh, largely in, in, in the world, you know, the people of God are looked at as, you know, Bible thumpers, you know, or, or kind of stupid. The stupid people who, who believe anything, right? You know, they believe, well, I agree you know, everything. And so I think it's because we as a people have strayed away from where God intended us to be that now the people don't look at us and say, Wow, look at the wisdom and the judgment in their lives and what God has given them. They see a people whose lives are just as much of a mess as everybody else in the world. Because we have allowed, corporately, sin to creep in and we've strayed away from where God has wanted us to be. And so the natural consequence of that come into play and into effect in our life. And so I believe, though, now as God has working with His Spirit in His people to call them back to His ways to walk as Yeshua walked, th- what happens is that people see, wow, there is a wise and good judgments in that family, in that person's life. They have clarity. And, and so we should be a pillar of light in our communities and not one that you know, can't, can't back up what we say. Because if, if our message isn't coherent with what's in the Bible... You know, people are going to look at that honestly from the outside and say, "You know, what what gives?" You know, we should be able to, as Peter says, give an answer for any man who has a question. You know, we need to know God's word so that we can, so that we can be that light. But if we don't, you know, people just see you as as part of the chaotic mess of the rest of the world around you, and that's not a light that doesn't draw the nations to you. You know, to God. All right, so let's go, keep going down here. Nine. Only take heed to thyself, keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thine heart all the days of thy life. But teach them, thy sons and thy sons' sons, so they're supposed to take heed to themselves and keep their soul diligently that they not forget these things and that's the struggle really you know that we live in, in in this day and age is to keep ourselves diligently and not forget those things that he's done for us, you know as a collective people in Moses' day in Yeshua's day, but also in our own lives, and how he has oftentimes preserved us from our own selves and kept us and then we our task then is to pass that on to our children, and to our children's children. It doesn't end. You know, you're, you're not, it doesn't, oh, okay, and you don't have to do anything anymore. You know, we, we, it's a continual passing on, and this is how God has made it. And so that's why it's so important, too, that we keep the standard the same. Because if the standard fluctuates, and we pass that on to our kids, it's, it's just like uh, we see in our common culture. You know, even in Christianity, it used to be, and I'm not saying this was right, but, you know, Nobody did anything on Sundays. Well, then, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I worked on Sundays in between, you know, Sunday morning. And I'm saying that, that was wrong, but my point is that the, the standard tends to slip. And so we are told to keep these things diligently and teach them and pass them to their children and take heed to ourselves. All right. So uh, then let's go down to uh, 10. Uh, especially the day thou stoodest before Yehovah thy God in Horeb, when Yehovah thy God, when Yehovah said unto me, "Gather me this people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children, so they are to hear God's words and they are to fear God, and teach them." You know, but the, I don't think there's a lot of fear of God today anymore. But there needs to be in our own lives. You know, we need to hear his word, and we need to fear, you know. And it's not, um, the word again, if you want to go back to the Hebrew, it's not uh, a reverence and respectful fear. The, uh, the word picture is somebody throwing a rock at somebody else's head. That, that's what the word picture for fear is. In other words, ah, you know. And, 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 and if you were walking in the wilderness... I would think you would have felt that if people were dropping like flies around you in the earth opening up and swan fire coming down and devouring Korah. You know, you would have a healthy fear. And that's what this this is talking about. So there's a fear that they may live. All right, down to 13. And he declared unto you this covenant, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments. And he wrote them upon the two tablets of stone. And then if you go down to 15, therefore take good heed unto yourselves. So, and then he goes through um, all the Ten Commandments, and basically he's going to relay to them the the covenant, and that when they were there, he entered into the covenant with them. Uh, and they are to walk that out. They made a vow, basically, because really the picture of what happened at uh, uh, Sinai, Mount Hor, there, in the land, or in, in the desert, was they entered into a marriage covenant with God, basically. He said, these are the rules and stipulations of the agreement of the covenant of marriage contract, and then both parties agreed. And so they entered into covenant with God to walk out his ways. <laughs> uh, let's go now to... Oh, there's so much good stuff in here. Alright, so let's, I guess let's go to, um, we'll read a little bit here. Uh, let's go to verse 20. Yehovah hath taken you and brought you from out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance, as you are this day. Furthermore, Yehovah was angry with me for your sakes, and swore I should not go over the Jordan, and that I should not go into the good land which Jehovah the God giveth thee for an inheritance, but I must die in the land and must not go over the Jordan, but you shall go over and possess the good land. 23, take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of Jehovah your God, which he made with you and and make you a graven image, or any likeness of anything which Jehovah the God has forbidden thee. For Jehovah the God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Then, in 25, I always found this part so depressing, because basically Moses knows... And he even says, I know for a fact, after I die, you're going to do whatever you want, <laughs> mm-hmm. is what what he says to them, essentially. And so, in 25, he says, When thou shalt beget children, and children's children, and ye shall remain long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves, and make graven images, or likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of Yahweh God, to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day, that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land, whereunto you go to possess home of the Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall surely be destroyed. And Yehovah shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither Yehovah shall lead you. And w- there shall you see, serve gods, the work of men's hands, wood, stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. So so he's basically saying, this is what's going to happen, because I know you're going to disobey, and you're not going to keep the covenant. And you're going to be scattered all over the world, which is where we are today, you know, we're scattered because of the sins of our forefathers. You know, Israel would have stayed in the land, but they didn't and God knew that. And and so he made provisions for that. But they were scattered all over the place. And so, but then the beautiful thing is, and what's happening, I believe right now in God's people is 29. But if from thence thou shalt seek Yehovah thy God, thou shalt find him. If Thou seek with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation, all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to Yahweh thy God, and shall be obedient unto his voice. For Yahweh thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, nor destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swore unto them. Ah, oh, it's just, I love that. It. It's beautiful. You know, he says even wherever you are, if you will search and seek for God with all your heart and all your soul, you will find Him. And He will be there for you, basically. <laughs> you will find Him. When there were tribulation, even in the latter days, because God is a merciful God, He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers. So, the covenant is, that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's a perpetual covenant. It's forever. His promises don't change. And it, because of that, we have hope where we are. Here, even in the diaspora, that we're not left w- with, with, with no hope. That if we seek God with all our heart, soul, and strength, we will be found by him, and he will have mercy upon us. And that's been the pattern all through Scripture, and we will be all the way up until the end of the time, that those who have a heart to search after God and to love Him with all their heart, soul, and strength, He has mercy on us, and He won't leave us without hope, and He will lead us into all truth. And, and those His promises are sure, and we can count on that. All right, now, let's go to five. Chapter 5. And uh, verse 2. This is really important passage. And so we're going to read it and then we'll talk about it. Yehovah, verse 2, our God, chapter 5, chapter 5, verse 2. Yehovah, our God, made a covenant with us in Horeb. Yehovah made not this covenant with our fathers, but with us. Even us, who are all of us here alive this day? Jehovah talked with you face to face in the mount, out of the midst of fire. I stood between Yehovah and you at that time, to show you the word of Yehovah, for you were afraid. And by reason of fire, went not up into the mount. Okay, so, what's fascinating is, most of the people who are alive right now, as they're getting ready to go in the land, didn't see what happened on the mountain. Because everyone who was uh, 20 and older, or 21 and older, I guess, died in the wilderness. So the only people that are alive right now are uh, 40 years old and and younger, except for Caleb and Joshua and and Moses, who's going to die soon. And so many of the people who might have been alive at the mountain, they they were little kids or little babies and may not even remember it. So Moses is telling them, essentially, that... Because the covenant is is a corporate covenant, but it's made up of individuals who individually have to pledge their allegiance and their faithfulness to God. And so he's telling them who are standing there on the cusp of going into the land that forget about them, it's not your fathers, it's you. You have made a covenant with God to serve him and obey him. That's why Passover... Is a perpetual covenant to be renewed every single year, looking forward to Yeshua's atoning work. And Passover is just a, a beautiful reminder every year of God's plan, of God's salvation for every individual and corporately of His people. And so, it, because you were brought out of slavery, because now you are a, born again as a child of God, and have now come to the mountain, and now that you're my son, you're going to live under my rules in my house. And so, you enter into this covenant, every individual, even up to this day. Whether we realize it or not, we, as the people of God, have stood at that mountain. And we have heard God's voice. Because when the Bible speaks to us, it, it's, it's not like reading history. It's says it's it's, it's though... Because God lives outside of time. It's as though we all were there at the mountain. And God speaks the same thing to us today every time we read this. Every time we go through this Torah portion, every time we read through it in our scriptures. And he says, obey me, walk in my ways, and you will have life. Don't. Take on the customs of the nations who are around about you, yes, the my your forefathers went in and they disobeyed, and you were scattered all over the lands. But where you are, if you will seek me with all your heart and all your soul, I will have mercy on you yeah. and and that 's what 's happening, and that 's what Moses way back then was 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 telling them, and so then, as we go on and we get into he goes through it all again uh of oh, the covenant basically that they're supposed to do in chapter 5 and um, and in 29 I love this it's God speaking he says oh that there were such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always that it might be well with them and their children forever you know God pleading out you know wishing that that this this would be the heart of his people so then we get into, into 6 <coughs> And you have the, the Shema in verse 4, which, you know, Shema, we said it. And basically what that is is uh, this declaration that, you, you know, you are entering into covenant with God and you will walk out his ways. Because the, God gives us these physical illustrations in his word of what happens Corporately with his people, but what also happens individually in each one's lives, because Egypt is a paradigm and a picture of our our life of slavery to sin. Pharaoh being the devil, Hasatan, uh, the bad guy, and he redeems us by the blood of the Lamb to be his firstborn people, because only the firstborn of Israel were those who survived, or only the firstborn who put the blood. Uh, Only the families who put the blood on the doorpost Their firstborn survived Everybody else died And so God's firstborn God's children left Egypt And so it is for each of us Those of us who who trust and follow and believe in Yeshua And what he did in dying, so that we didn't have to Because that's what happened in, in, in Egypt The lamb died so that The firstborn of the family of Israel didn't have to die Same thing with us Yeshua takes our place and dies on our behalf so that we don't have to because the penalty must be paid for sin. And so then we are born again as a child of God and we now are led to the mountain to Mount Horeb like Moses tells them. Even though those people weren't at the mountain and we weren't at the mountain, we were at the mountain. And we have heard the words of God because he speaks it to every generation. And now that we're going again, these are the stipulations of the covenant and we walk in them. And we do them. And so it's the same same, same thing. So uh, let's go. So they're supposed to teach it to their children. And so, okay, now seven. So again, okay. So they're getting ready to go on the land, there's all these nations, there's going to be other gods, and there's going to be all these problems and that they're not supposed to get involved in. And, and that's us, right? We have been born again, we've entered into covenant with God, He's given us His word, but, but we're still, you know, fighting the battles, right? In our own lives, and just like they were in the land. And so we're, we're supposed to leave behind everything that we were, because when they came out of Egypt... All they could bring with us was what they carried on their backs, basically. They did plunder the Egyptians. They got lots of gold and all kinds of garments and stuff like that. But what they left behind in Egypt was whatever they were. So if you uh, were, in, er, were an Israelite that went into Egypt, or whether you were some other nation, slave that got caught up in there too, and you left Egypt, you left everything that you were in Egypt, and you went out into the wilderness where there was nothing, and you got redefined. God gave you his culture, his holidays, what you were gonna eat, what you're gonna wear, you know, how you're gonna talk, how you're gonna treat your neighbor, everything. He created a new people uh, that were gonna walk after him and his ways, that the nations might look on them and say, wow, there's a lot of wisdom in the And so that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to, yes, we're still in the diaspora, but we're searching after God with our heart, soul, and strength. And we are supposed to leave behind all the trappings of what we were in our own life with oh, our other religions or our other ways of life. And we have a new constitution, you know, that which governs and rules our life. And so that's why he says, if you will seek me, you will find me. And, and we only can find God if we read his words. That's the only place he is. And that's why it's so important that we don't add to it or don't take away from it. And so we see God's word so that we can be transformed so that why? We can have success in our life and in the daily battles that come. Just like when they went into the land. But when you don't and you get lax and you get soft and you commingle and you say, well, this God isn't that bad. And you make a covenant with that dude. They become pricks in your eyes and thorns in your side and... It weighs down the body, your body, and the body of God and to where you become largely ineffective. And so because of that, because then no longer God's people are the light that they're supposed to be, He, because He's a merciful God, has to scatter them and wipe them out. Because if they remained in the land in a corrupted state, they would no longer be representing God in His holiness. And so he has to deal with with sin and with wickedness. And so he then sends his son Yeshua. Why? Because of the new covenant. He makes a new covenant, which is basically a renewing of the covenant where he takes his word, his Torah, and he writes it on the heart of the individual. Because anyone who is born again and saved they or who's in a marriage relationship or who has a close friendship you want desperately to please your your spouse or your god and so your walking out of the black and white commandments is from from your heart's desire not a list of do's and don'ts just to get brownie points because what happens is that won't last you know if you uh It's like exercising. If you hate the exercising, and you may hate it at first, uh, and so you just go through, you get a trainer, and you just go through the list of of do's and don'ts, eventually you'll fall off the bandwagon. Because you really don't want to be doing it. But if you really reside in yourself to change your lifestyle, then it will succeed perpetually. Because it has to be a, a... a lifestyle born forth the desires of the heart; otherwise, it's just it's dead works, basically. And that's what had happened during the the first temple, and even when the when the when the first temple and the second temple were just were destroyed, they were just going through the motions while adding to and taking away a whole lot of stuff from that. And again, that doesn't shine the light of God to the nations, and so He has to deal with that. And likewise today, I think even in our, in, in, in those people who call themselves by the name of God, he will, will come and, and serve swift judgment to those who are not representing him as they should. So that's why he's continually pleading to us and sounds like a broken record to not depart from his word and his ways. And that's why Yeshua, when he came, he lived a perfect life. And we all know that, but what does it mean to live a perfect life? To perfectly obey all the commandments. Because it is the only standard that they had. There wasn't any other standard that God gave for his people. Right. Weren't. So we're supposed to pass this on to our kids. So in chapter 7 is where uh, we're going to read a little bit because it's so good. All right. So it says in the first verse, they're going to go in. There's all the the ites, and they're really bad. But I'm going to deliver you, and I will fight for you. Two of verse 7. When Yahweh thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, and thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. He's deadly serious. And he's telling them, because God built us with emotions that are supposed to be there, but our emotions and our thought processes are supposed to operate within the dictates of the word of God. Otherwise, they they stray and they go wherever they want to go. And so you go into that village, or if you're, you know, told to go in and you're supposed to wipe out a whole people, and you're supposed to wipe them all out. Well, your emotions, your to say, "Oh man, you know, what about the little kids?" Right? You know, how could a merciful God do that? But what a merciful God knows is if that wicked horrible people are alive and that little kid grows up and says, "Well, wait a minute, you destroyed my family and and you broke down all my gods and then he rebuilds that Then what happens? Then that starts to infiltrate back into the community and more death and chaos ensues. And so it's the merciful actions of a God who sends the flood to wipe out everyone on earth except for eight people. It's a merciful thing that he does because if he did not, mankind would wipe himself out. And so we have to keep our emotions and our thoughts in check with the word of God. Otherwise, uh, our base nature will take control and lead us all kinds of crazy directions. And then next thing you know, you're light years from where God meant you to be and you can't even see that you are. And that's what has happened so much in our day and age. Three, thou shalt not make marriages unto them. Thy daughter shall not be given to thy son nor his daughter unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they serve other gods. So will the anger of Yahweh be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. So that's why, as we're growing up, you know, your parents tell you, you're not, you you can't marry an unbeliever. Why? Because by default, the relationship will go, will swing towards the unbeliever. It's just, it's just. Like the old saying, bad company corrupts good habits. It's just the way of nature. And so he says, remain pure. Do not intermingle. Don't absorb any of those things. And so that's what we're supposed to do likewise in in our day and age is be in the world but not of the world. And the only way we can do that is if we are continually renewing our minds with the Word of God keeping our thoughts and our emotions in check and and on the right path. It's all right, it's okay. Okay, verse five. Thus shall ye deal with them. So this is what they're supposed to do when they go in the land. And likewise, I believe in our own life, the things that we erect that keep us from obeying God. You shall destroy their altars Break down their images, cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. Why? Because thou art a holy people unto Yehovah thy God. Yehovah thy God has chosen thee to be a special people unto thyself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. A holy people, separate, special, chosen. Unto God of all the people of the earth. You can't be separate, chosen, and special, and holy if, if you have all these barnacles of everything of the world dragging you down. To be holy, that word, means to be separate. Not, not just because, but because God knows that only His ways are the paths of life for us. Everything else, no matter how you wrap it up and doctor it up and rationalize it, leads to chaos resulting in death and separation from God. And that's what we have to understand. There is only two paths. There are only two seeds. Eat from the tree of life, not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from that tree. And, and, and that's what he... So that's why he says, break down their altars, their groves, their trees. Don't leave anything that remains. And that's the battle in our own hearts and lives is to continually, because we are redeemed, right? And we are saved, but we're still living in our fleshly bodies. And that's why Paul talks about the war of the flesh. And so we are constantly having to, to battle that and put to, d- to death and to renew ourselves with his word. And so we have to input good material into our hearts and minds and lives so that we are reminded continually of how to walk and what to do and what to say and what to obey and give answers so that we represent God and people say, wow, man, there's a lot of wisdom in that. Now this is important. Uh, 7. For Yehovah did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in people than any people. For you were the fewest of all people, but because Yehovah loved you, because he would keep the oath which is sworn unto your fathers, hath Yehovah brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that Yehovah the God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments. See, there it is. Love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, but repayeth them that hate him to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hateth him, and he will repay him to his face. And that word hate too, it is a very strong word, it's, it, but it's also, again, in Hebrew, if you go back to uh, where he says, uh, Jacob that I have loved, and Esau I have hated, it, it is to, uh, it is basically to choose, the one that I have chosen. And so, those who hate God, it's not the, I hate God, although there's plenty of people like that, they simply do not choose to follow and obey him. Because what eventually happens in a child's life as they grow up and they they have good parents on them and they, uh, or if no, they don't, um, it becomes abundantly clear if inside the heart of that child was the desire out of love for their parents to obey them. Because a lot of parents will, or kids will obey when they're young because they're little and you can scare them into it. But eventually the day comes where they mature and they age. They realize, hmm. I can do whatever I want. And so then, what's really inside bears fruit. Obedience, or doing whatever the heck they want. And it's the same thing in the people who say they love God and, and serve God. It will be borne out eventually. You will bear the fruit of the seed that is in you. And if, if it's the seed of Yeshua, if it's the seed of Abraham, you will bear forth the works of Abraham. If it's the seed of your father, the devil, you will bear forth those works. And God will repay him to his face who hates him, who does not choose him. The wages of sin are death. All right, that's the end of our Torah portion. So now let's go to our pop Torah portion which is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. Alright, and we're going to read, well, it's right there, 1 through 26. Oh, oh, it's not that long, so we'll... we'll um, We'll read it. But what I love about this is God's, you know, pronouncing comfort and mercy to His people because He's punished them. And so then He's saying, He's He talks about basically John the Baptist coming. You know, to cry of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of Yahweh, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. That's what it says in verse three. And it says, you know, I punish you, I brought you low, and now. I am going to, you know, calling to you to prepare the way for for God, because what would, this would have been a very uh, understood passage to the people in Israel at the time, because before the festivals would happen, they'd be out there ahead of time, the month or so before, uh, preparing the way for people to come to Jerusalem. So a lot of the tra- paths that would have gotten r- washed washed out in the summer rains, they would fix them all. They would flatten out the dips and level off some of the high points and fill in the what's got washed away so that the throngs of people, the hideaway department was out there fixing the roads, basically, so that all the summer travelers, you know, all the holiday people that had to go to Jerusalem those three times a year would be able to get there in a timely fashion and in an easy manner. And so they were preparing to enter into the presence of God. And so, Let's, with that in mind, we'll, we'll go ahead and read this. Okay, 40 verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God, speaking comfortably to Jerusalem, and crying unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For her sins hath received of Yehovah's hand, double for all her sins. For she hath received, double for all her sins. Three. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of Yehovah, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of Yehovah shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken. And the voice said, "Crying." and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof as is the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the, the spirit of Jehovah bloweth upon it. And surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion, that brings good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringeth good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, and lift up, and be not afraid, and say unto the city of Judea, Behold, your God, behold, the Lord God will come. Strong hands and his arm shall rule before him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and he shall gather the lambs with his arm, and carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are young. So, it's, it's, this is what Yeshua was doing because he said he came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then it basically goes on and says, you know. Who, who can understand God? You can't make him into your own image. And, you know, he's mighty and all-knowing, basically. Uh, Where does it go? I'm through uh, 26. All right, so that's basically that in a nutshell. Let's go on to, uh, okay, so our apostolic portion is in Acts chapter 13. Paul going into synagogue and teaching and preaching about Yeshua, and um, we'll see the reaction of the people. <laughs> so, chapter 13, verse 13 of Acts. Now, when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos and came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Sida and went into a syn- the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after reading of the law and the prophets, the ruler of the synagogue sent unto them saying, "Ye men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation, exhortation for the people, say on." So that was a very common thing to do. Synagogue uh, operation of the day was they read from the Torah and the prophets, and then if there was like a visiting teacher, you could, you know, they'd say, "All right, if you guys want to get up and, you know, have anything to say, say on." And so, 16, Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel, ye that fear God, give audience. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt with a high arm. Brought he them out of it. And about the time of forty years suffered he their manner in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by lot." And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the, the prophet. And after they desired a king, God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of four years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will of this man's seed. Hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Yeshua? And when John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he. But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loosen. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, whosoever among ye that pureth God to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired that uh, they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher. But God raised him from the dead. And when he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declared unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, and that he raised up Yeshua again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said unto this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he said also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on a sleep, and was laid into his fathers, and saw corruption. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things, for which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of in the prophets. Behold ye despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these might words might be preached to them the next day. And when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews of the Ridgeless proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Uh, where are we stopping here? Okay, that's it. So there's a whole lot going on here that we could go into for a lot longer, but... Suffice it to say, basically, Paul gets up and, is, and he preaches him. Yeshua is the Messiah, and he's the one that came to redeem you from your sins and your separation that has happened and why we're in bondage where we are now. And uh, the leaders, like the prophets said, would not receive him. And so he's giving them a stern warning and saying, don't be like those who wouldn't listen, like the prophets prophesied that they wouldn't listen. But soften your heart, listen, obey, and repent. And um, God raised him from the dead. And uh, and there's a whole lot of other stuff we can get into, but we have not time. Today. So, all right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your Word and for this day and the truth of it, and that we get to read it and we get to learn from it and study it every Shabbat, just as just as Paul and Peter and Yeshua did every Shabbat. We can walk in their their uh, custom and, and follow after them and. Uh, Learn from you, God. I just thank you for this day of rest that you give us. And may we go forth and be a light unto our communities and our families and in the nation we live in to walk out your ways and that people would see the wisdom that you, uh, that is you, Father. So I thank you for all these things in your shoes. Amen. All right. We will. To kiddish.